Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM. Also, live web streaming on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au and afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts. The good places, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn and all the bad places as well. Well, it's not too far away from kickoff. Yes, it's almost that time to put away the uh, white flannelette creams and the mothballs and get out the football gear of all your codes for the winter months ahead. And that means here at Triple H, it's not far away time for Rugby League and time to have a look at all things grassroots football, all things Ron Massey Cup and in particular Sydney Shield. That will be the competition that we will look at tonight in this edition of Splinters, a preview of Ironically, the competition which has expanded the most over the last couple of years. Joining me to have a look at the Sydney Shield in 2020, which is kicking off as this episode of Splinters is put to bed in around 10 days' time. A man who, as you can hear in the background, is getting all that last-minute mail, even though he's no longer domiciled in the Sydney metropolitan area. He is, of course, our friendly almost foreign, certainly interstate correspondent on other sports, but still very much on top of rugby league from afar, Keith Topolsky. Hello again, sir. Good evening, Tony. Good evening to everyone listening across the Triple H Global Network. It continues to be global, regardless of what some might say about the bench and splinters being small. But We go to all corners of the globe, and particularly one corner down here in what is now a rather... Chilly Port Lincoln, perfect rugby league weather, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it as the weeks and months uh, proceed. But it's time to talk all things Sydney Shield in particular. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Normally, we'd go Ron Massey Cup and then Sydney Shield, but we're going to go Sydney Shield on this episode of Splinters. And it's ironic that for a competition that was marked for death row, it's now got 14 teams lining up at the start line for round one on the weekend of March 14 and 15. It just goes to show that the strength of the game in the heartland, metropolitan Sydney, still has a pulse. I think it also goes to show that certain elements, shall we say, that think they know better than hardcore rugby league fans like to think that they know what they're doing in terms of what the people want and what is best for rugby league. But at the end of the day... It's very clear what the players want and what the supporters want. And that sort of broad support has really come to the fore to save, effectively, the Sydney Shield from being axed. And hopefully this competition uh, will see a few more teams step up into the Ron Massey Cup, um, simply because of issues with the draw, which we'll get to uh, later on during this edition of Splinters. But the fact that the Sydney Shield continues to thrive while Ron Massey Cup may look at teams bowing out, uh, etc. I think speaks volumes to the fact that 
there are people out there that want higher-level rugby league than A grade and are turned away by the National Rugby League for whatever reason that may be, whether you agree with them or not, they are being turned away by that competition. And this is something for them to hang on to, particularly those clubs that are traditionally A-grade clubs like the East Campbelltowns, like the Bell Roses, like the Moorbanks. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned the uh, problems with the draw, or so-called problems with the draw. There have been many varied and many versions that have been doing the rounds quietly on apps and quietly uh, doing unofficial rounds amongst the clubs. Well, for this episode, almost in time for Splinters, I can reveal this. Yes, the official draw was released at the New South Wales Rugby League season launch on Tuesday the 3rd of March. We have an official draw, even if it's only 10 days out from kickoff. Well, that, that's better than what I was anticipating because I was anticipating a draw uh, minus two days out from kickoff. I was thinking maybe the Monday after round one. So we've done well to get our hands on the official draw at this point in time. So let's have a look at the 14 teams, the way they will play on opening weekend, the weekend of March 14th and 15th. And let's go straight at the top. We start with the defending Sydney Shield Premiers, the surprise packages of 2019, but a great traditional name, the Ride Eastwood Hawks. They start off not as the Hunters, but the Hunted. And they will begin the defence of their Sydney Shield title in the opening match of the competition on Saturday the 14th of March at the unlikely home venue of Henson Park at 10.45am when they take on the Moorbank Rams. Now, Wright East would have lost one of their guns from last year, Tristan Evans-Soy, who has defected across to the Asquith Magpies for 2020. But Walt Wilson's squad, young squad, has predominantly returned to defend their title. Yeah, and the... The important thing for Ryan Eastwood is that what has happened with the West Tigers with the Jersey Flag set up is that they have a lot of young graduates that they can pick off from the Balmain system. And that alignment continues uh, to operate with the Ryan Eastwood club getting access to the West Tigers Jersey Flag imports, I suppose, is probably the best way to describe it, as well as the Balmain Juniors, while East Campbelltown will get access to the Western Suburbs Juniors. And the West Tigers have some very impressive young players coming through the Jersey Fleet system. I don't know whether it's going to be enough for them because, as you say, Tristan Evans-Soy has now gone to, I think it was Asquith, Correct. to sign him up. So losing a player of that calibre really does set in train a few concerns. What I think the main issue is for uh, Wright Eastwood to focus on is making sure that when those players do come back, they can slot into a system because the trial team that the West Tigers Jersey Flag side put forward against North Sydney uh, last weekend was very, very heavy in terms of Western Suburbs presence up front. And if they can get some Balmain Juniors, Josh Risk in particular, if he doesn't get a start in West Tigers Jersey Flag, I'll be very surprised. And Ray Eastwood will be doing handstands because he's a very useful player out wide. Not only his uh, brother Adam, uh, who was the, the partner in crime to 
uh, Evan Soy for a lot of 2019. In saying that, though, Ride Eastward were comfortable winners over Belrose, who have recruited heavily in their trial, uh, last trial, before a kick-off uh, last weekend. And we'll come to that when we speak about Belrose a little bit later. Look, I think they'll be there and thereabouts, whether they can sneak under the guard again and go all the way under coach Walt Wilson remains to be seen. Let's have a look at their opponents on opening day in that rather odd time slot, 10.45am kickoff at Henson Park. The Moorbank Rams, who had such a great 2018 and got so close to a grand final, slow starters in 2019, came home with a rush on the back of a swag of home games in the back half of the season and were desperately unlucky not to get past the second week of the finals where they could have done even more damage. They were very unlucky, and it was a very disappointing result for Moorbank, given what they had uh, to work with earlier in the season. But as you say, that slow start really did catch up with them in the end. In terms of how they've recruited, I haven't been able to keep up to date with uh, Moorbank's recruitment. I do know, though, that this is a team that it was only a few short seasons ago we were considering them basically write-offs. And then they have built slowly and slowly and slowly. And the thing about Moorbank is that they're very pointed in terms of what they can recruit and in terms of what they do recruit. They're not going to go out and sign just the best players and then try and make them fit. They're going to sign the best player in each position and then try and make that work. And if guys are not fitting in, then they are not afraid to cut a few guys loose. I think this is going to be a really intriguing matchup in round one. And I think Moorbank... If there's going to be a team that really does stick it to right Eastwood this season, uh, from that, I suppose, the bottom half of the eighth contention, uh, if you like, I think it'll be Moorbank because in terms of how they played last season, they did like to try and run it up the middle. And if right Eastwood had a bit of a weakness, I think it was up the middle because right Eastwood was very strong out wide in the back. And if Moorbank can stick it to them in the forwards, I think Moorbank can take the two points. Well, that's uh, on the back of the forwards like Josh Kabire, the uh, the man mountain tank who was backing up by all reports again. Brian Rowe will have also learned a lot in that first season as Moorbank coach after Brad Moran departed into the Canterbury system, which Moorbank will still feed into. Look, I think Moorbank, given it's a 14-team competition and given I think there are going to be a couple of distinct divisions again this year as they were last year, if they can keep the bulk of their top squad on the field and given they've got another cluster of home matches mid-season, I can see them making the eight again. Whether they can go all the way to top four remains to be seen. Let's have a look then at the other two teams that will be playing at Henson Park on the opening day of the new season, Saturday, March the 14th, as part of a massive triple header of park football second-tier matches. We look at two sides that struggled and missed out on the top eight in the 12-team competition last year. Firstly, Sydney University, the Nomads, who were pretty much university in name, but not much else. They didn't get a lot of support from the Sydney University Sports Union, given the political affiliations to other codes, particularly rugby union, in at Sydney University. Mick Harbib is backing up again to try and work manfully alongside Nike Aaron Zamet as the feeder up the line into the... Glebe Concord Wolves system but I really don't know about their numbers, they're going to be drawing on players again from their tertiary side a couple of whom were regulars in the Sydney Shield team last year but if they can't get the support financially that they need from the sports union they could struggle again 
I think what is going to pin the hat on for Sydney University this season is effectively the injury rate with the Cronulla Sharks in the NRL because we have they have that feeder system, Cronulla into Newtown, into Glebe, and then into Sydney University. Glebe Burwood themselves have recruited some very impressive players. Kieran Wilde has gone over from Western Suburbs. Nikol Kladnikov has been picked up from Guildford. Greg, Greg Eastwood has gone back from Newtown into the Glebe system. They have some very good players there. They're not all going to get a chance to play for Glebe when Newtown starts sending guys back after Cronulla sends guys back. So Cronulla stays healthy, and if those teams up the line stay healthy, then Sydney University have a real shot at this. If Sydney University have to rely on their own talent, though, yeah, it's going to get messy, and it's going to get messy in a hurry. Well, their opponents on opening day will be a side that also struggled at shield level for a lot of 2019, missing out on the top eight. I speak of the Hills District Bulls. The the mail on the street is that possibly Heath Lestrange up the line may be coming back again. Uh, time will tell on that, whether that's another Dame Nelly Melbourne episode. We'll be discussing that in depth when we re- preview the Ron Massey Cup and a future episode of, of Splinters probably in the next week. But at Shield level, again, relying a lot on local juniors and a lot on the top side staying injury-free to be competitive at Shield level. Well, Heathrow Strange has had more comebacks than John Farnham, so I don't know exactly how he is going to hold up given that, OK, he's, he's coming back and he's doing the right thing by the club, but he's really going to struggle to go physically now where he is. Looking at what Hills put forward a few weeks ago uh, against Wentworthville, Marzi Fado, Zach Chongney has gone over, I noticed. Uh, Nick Holiday is still going around. Josh Lewis is a very useful half. A couple of those guys are going to end up in Sydney Shield. I don't know whether Khalifi Tia Khalifi is going to fit in with the Ron Massey Cup, um, I suppose, culture, because he is a very in-your-face, physical, almost a nasty player at times, Tia Khalifi. And that was what I certainly came across when he was at Western Suburbs. He can really get in-your-face and intense. And for some of those Hills District players, I don't know whether that's going to be exactly what they want. They do have some real talent there, Hills District, and that's what they're going to have to rely on. But, yeah, it is going to be very much a team based on local juniors. As you say, they're going to be very reliant on what they can produce through their A grade, through their under-19 system, back into the Parramatta juniors. And Hills District, they're not the dominant force in the Parramatta system that they used to be because, okay, they used to have Winston Hills and Kelly Hill fighting against them. Now they've got Rouse Hill as well. And now they've also got the Blacktown PCYC playing out of King's Langley. And that is drawing on a lot of what Hills District would have been able to rely upon in the past to really bring those juniors through and lock them up long term and then be able to pick the eyes out of it. So Hills, if they're going to move forward in the Sydney Shield competition with local juniors, they're really going to have to make sure that they aim up and bring out the checkbook. Otherwise, I think it could be a, a rather long season for them. But we've seen in the past, Hills District, once they moved into Ron Massey Cup, they didn't take a big-picture approach with Sydney Shield. They were happy just to use that as the place to warehouse a couple of players and then bring up the juniors, and if they get murdered week in, week out, then so be it. They were prepared to wear that. Similar to what Asquith did, a few years ago as well, and I can still remember a day at Crestwood, but we're not going to get into that, but uh, I think we might have had certain people asking whether we were breaching sponsorship commitments 
in terms of giving sponsors so many plugs within the time frame of that game. So Hills District, they need to make sure that they have enough there to keep a respectable showing in Sydney Shield. I think they'll do that, but I don't see them doing anything more than simply being respectable. All right, then. Uh, they did play a trial game on the last weekend of trials and had a 28-all draw, Sydney University and the Hills District Bulls. So maybe that's a pointer to what lies ahead, at least on opening day of the season for both of those clubs, neither of whom I think can make the eight. Let's move along to a match that will be played at McCready Park at Guildford on the opening day later on that Saturday. A match will be played in the Twilight Zone at 5pm. Two sides that are going to come in with very differing build-ups. Let's have a look at the home side, the Guildford Owls. I'm very worried about Guildford. Apparently the trial that Sydney University and the Hills District Bulls played on the final weekend of trials was meant to be a trial between Guildford and Hills District Bulls without Sydney University. Sydney only came in late because Guildford pulled out due to the fact they couldn't put enough players together to play in the Sydney Shield trial, and that is a worrying sign. It is a worrying sign, but it also depends on exactly what Guildford were playing at there because they've got a very, very strong Ron Massey team again. Whether they were looking to just give those guys a chance to get away from it before before they decided to go out and play a hard season, it really does depend on what Guildford were looking at because I'm having a look at their Ron Massey Cup squad. There's very little change based on what their Ron Massey Cup side was last season. So I would be very surprised if there's any sort of real turnover in terms of the Sydney Shield. Having said that, there is the opportunity there that if Guildford have had a bit of a clean-out, and remember that Todd McKeon is now assisting Paul Fletcher. He's no longer the Sydney Shield coach, and it still boggles the mind that you've got a situation where Todd McKeon cannot get a gig in the Ron Massey Cup as a head coach to save his life. And I don't know what the guy's got to do. He should be up there. And I just wonder exactly how the reaction was knowing that Todd McKeon walked into the Ron Massey side last year, not that the players resented it, but whether some of the players might not like the fact that he's not there anymore. So that might play a little bit on them as well. Guildford, I still think that they are a real shout at making the finals. I don't think that Guildford, the way Guildford is set up and have been in the past, you can talk about them as genuine title contenders in the Shield, although they did go close at one point. But the way they're set up, I just don't see it happening for them. All right, then their opponents. Uh, well, firstly, I think Guildford, look, they're a bottom half of the eight. Very disappointing in bowing out from fifth spot last year, being bounced out by Asquith in a major upset in the first weekend of the finals. They may get to the bottom half of the eight again. Now, their opponent on opening day and a club that have really made noises in the off-season after a disastrous couple of years, it had to be said, for a, a proud club, one of the proudest clubs in the district. We speak of a, of a club that we've been very close to here at Triple H over the last four or five years. It's been great to ride the ups and downs. It's been downs for the Belrose Eagles in that last couple of years. But they've decided that enough is enough. They had their debate on whether they should come back to the Sydney Shield or just stick to being a big fish in the A-grade pond the faction that wanted to play Shield won the day and they've bought big. Jake Pickering, Vinnie Nagaro, Josh Martin, Josh Nichols, Jamie Bura have all been recruited 
to this Sydney Shield outfit for 2020. With Reese Wallahan and Richie Goodwin returning and Damian Lawler persuaded to come out of retirement, on paper, their top 17 look to certainly forge forward and not finish near the bottom of the ladder and make the top eight. The question becomes, what have they done for depth? It's all very well to say, yes, we're signing these big-name players to play and these are our six or seven marquee players and this is going to be a year where we really stand up and come back into the pack rather than being the whipping boys. But what happens if a couple of those players get hurt? What happens if Vinny Nagaro is not himself? And we've seen him. He's basically a walking, advertising hoarding for medical tape at the moment, Vinny Nagaro. You've got those other players. Jamie Zura, okay, he's coming back from the NRL, and that's great for Belrose. But again, Jamie Vera, I just said, he's an NRL player. And some players at this level, and this is why NRL players and reserve and Canterbury Cup players, I should say, didn't like the idea of skipping Matthew and Shield and going back to A grade. Because when you have a name, you have a target on your head. Not just your body to hit hard into the ribs, but on your head. And if that's going to be the case and Jamie Vera gets knocked out, a couple of these other guys pick up injuries, where does that leave Belrose with their depth? If they stay healthy, I think they're a title contender. Forget about making the finals. They have a shot at winning it all. But if they don't stay healthy, then they're going to win something, but it's going to be made of timber. Well, a side that has recruited that well with two former Sydney Shield players of the year in their squad has to be respected. The other question mark I have is it's been a while now since Vinny Nagaro has played regularly week in, week out. Jake Pickering hasn't had a lot of opportunities for various reasons that both Blacktown workers and ask within the last couple of years. Sure, they'll have points to prove, but it's hard to turn back the clock to the to the Peninsula Seagulls golden era uh, that these players came out of. It's now five and six years since uh, that Peninsula Seagulls side went around, and it's hard to delve into the time machine and all of a sudden reproduce that form. Well, not only that, but you've also got to remember that there are a lot of Peninsula Seagulls players that were very reluctant to go across to Belrose. So I don't know whether you can really compare because Peninsula and Belrose, it really was like Western Suburbs and Manly in terms of the the bitterness between those two clubs. And eventually Belrose managed to extract blood from a few stones and get a couple of Peninsula players to go over to Belrose and sign up. I don't know whether you can really reflect on that period too much now because, as you say, it is quite a long time ago now. In terms of what Belrose can do, I think that there's plenty there for them to be excited about. And Lionel Watts, some teams refer to it as a dung heap, but when you go there, you do get that dung-type feeling. I won't use the word that is probably more appropriately used because I want us to stay on air. But you don't. But nobody likes going to Belrose. I don't like going to Belrose because I can't hear myself commentate half the time. So I have no idea how the players are going to feel. And if a commentary team is feeling unwelcome at Belrose, what's going to happen this year if Belrose starts winning again? Again, it comes down to health. I'm going to take a shot that they probably lose a couple, but not the important ones. And I think they make the eight. And then we'll see in September exactly whether they have enough to go all the way. I enjoy going to Belrose. It's grassroots footy. You just sit on the card table on the sidelines. You get in amongst the crowd. Yes, some of their supporters let you know uh, who they're supporting. 
but they've been quiet in the last couple of years. They haven't won a home game in two years in Sydney Shield level. So that would be their first thing. And what an opening game it's going to be. First home game is in round four, sorry, round five, on Saturday, April the 4th, against Asquith in the Twilight Zone, 5 p.m. kickoff. And that's going to be a match. Tell you what, we'll be looking forward to calling on Triple H. I'll give you the tip. And that that is, if anybody wants to go out and watch some really good Sydney Shield football, that's when you have to go out because you'll just have the edge taken off the temperature. It's in the twilight, so you'll just get a little bit of a sunset. That is really the time when rugby league as a sport comes to the fore. I just absolutely love that. And that's going to be something that I will miss, despite the fact that it's at Bellrose. And I, I struggle to hear myself commentate half the time, as I say. But that is probably the best time of day to see football because the edge is taken off and people are just starting to feel that relaxation. And then you just have that real intensity and that snap and you're really going to enjoy that game. Okay, last team we look at before we take the break is a team that were grand finalists in 2019. Another surprise package with a very young and enthusiastic team with plenty of pace, but had a torrid finals campaign, had to play two extra time matches, and in the end it caught up with them in the decider against Ride East. When I speak of the Cabramatta Two Blues... They cleaned out the Deadwood, they went with kids, and it almost paid maximum pay dirt in 2019. With Chris Yates having now gone uh, from the Massey Cup coaching position off to Norellan, and a bit of a change in the uh, coaching structure at New Era Stadium, question marks are now asked as to whether they can repeat the dose again now that they also will be the hunted in 2020. They played their first game at New Era on Saturday the 14th of March, at 7pm, and interestingly, as the draw has come out, Cabramatta are going to be playing their Sydney Shield matches after their Ron Massey Cup games all season long. That tells me they're relying on Massey Cup players to back up and play Sydney Shield, and that's a worrying sign as far as depth of numbers is concerned. It is an absolutely terrifying prospect that you would have a situation where the Cabramatta 2 Blues have to rely on Ron Massey Cup players to come back after they play. Okay, these guys, they're fit, they're really strong, they're really impressive, but exactly what do they have in them to be able to do that? I know that Andrew Pritchard has gone on board, has come on board at Cabramatta. He's going to be joining Frank, who is his brother there. They have lost a couple of players, though, Cabramatta, out of that Ron Matthew Cup setup. Exactly how they're going to go about replacing guys in the back line like, like Maloney, with the Minute brothers, formerly of Western Suburbs, who are big, hulking forwards, who will probably spend most of the year in Massey anyway, it really does depend on what's going back. Because last year, we saw that Cabramatta recruited like never before because they got Chris Yates on board, and then they decided to punt Chris Yates. How many of those players hang around in terms of Sydney Shield? Because there are a lot of Shield players who were a little bit dirty, but they weren't getting Massey time. Whether those guys move on, whether they stick around... And what's the sort? What's the real motivation? Because Cabin Matter, they're a prominent club, but they've sort of stayed in the background a little bit in the in the recent past. They they don't give much away. So Cabin Matter will be an intriguing prospect. You've got to back them in to make the finals because Cabin Matter is always a team that does well. They are the dominant force in the Parramatta district. They only make it a point to compete in first division from under 13s and up, simply because they want other clubs to 
have a go, which is a noble thing, but that is Cabramatta's attitude. They will they will poach and they will sign and they will do everything in their power to really put in a big performance. All right, then. I think they'll make the top four, but not uh, first and second, maybe third, fourth, around that fifth mark at this stage, given that uh, a lot of their young uh, talent will probably stay, but... A couple of those younger players did uh, show signs of wear and tear during the finals. They showed some short fuses as well, and you can bet your life that other coaches will try and get under their skin, particularly early doors uh, in the first four to five weeks of the season. But they have too much talent not to make the finals and push for top four again. All right, time flying. It's half time here on this special edition of uh, Splinters, previewing the Sydney Shield for 2020, which is kicking off on the 14th of March. We'll take a break and we'll come back to look at the other seven teams and the rest of the opening round draw right after this, as this episode of Splinters continues. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, tune in, all the bad places as well. Mears cast, as Keith Topolsky would like to call it. We're previewing the Sydney Shield for 2020 which kicks off on March the 14th and March the 15th. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. Keith Topolsky is on the line, probably checking out Mears cast as we speak. Let's uh, continue with our preview of the Sydney Shield for 2020. We've gone through the first seven sides. Let's go through the next seven. And uh, a side included in those seven is an interesting proposition, and they are Cabramatta's opponents on the opening weekend at New Era Stadium, Saturday night, the 14th of March at 7 o'clock. It's Wentworthville United. Let's uh, make that very clear discrepancy between the Wentworthville Magpies and Wentworthville United here, Keith, because after Wentworthville parted company with Parramatta and no longer feed up the line into the Canterbury Cup officially, maybe unofficially, but certainly officially, Wentworthville Magpies have decided to consolidate the Magpies brand into the Ron Massey Cup only and the feeder A-grade traditional uh, side, the Wentworthville United outfit, will be playing Sydney Shield in 2020. They will. I just wonder exactly what sort of uh, practical impact that will have because Wentworthville has always been a club that likes to really keep things tight together uh, in terms of the spirit of the team. But Wentworthville... We almost wrote them off last year. I certainly did because I didn't think that the amount of turnover that they had last year was going to pay dividends. They made a couple of adjustments on the fly during the season and lo and behold, they go out and they win it again and all of a sudden it's all good. But 
now Wentworthville, looking at the squad that they've been putting forward for the Ron Matthew Cup with a lot of players unavailable at the same time, they are going to have not just Ron Matthew Cup standard players available, they're going to have Canterbury Cup players of, the, of that standard available. I'm looking at the team that they put forward uh, when they played Cessnock in the Challenge Cup. They had guys like Bo Henry, Blake Cook, Jake Butler-Fleming, Reese Armstrong, Joel Luani, all unavailable. A couple of ex-first graders there, although I don't know exactly how Nathan Malone managed to get much first grade time at West Tigers, but be that as it may. Looking at what they're going to have available in the Sydney Shield this season, you can have guys like Obed Carlin, who is a very athletic player, Dane Vette-Welsh, who has a wealth of experience in Canterbury Cup. Josh Birmingham could be getting a run. He was being spoken about potentially going in the first grade a couple of years ago. You look at the halves, you could have Tom Bartley, who was on the verge of Canterbury Cup performances a couple of years ago with West Tigers when they still had the system there. He could be ending up in Sydney Shield. Omar Spy-Mankel, Joshman Hinnick might not get a start because of all those players then. So this is a team that forget about Sydney Shield elite. This is a team that could mix it with Canterbury Cup. I would be very surprised if they don't go on and win it. Well, one of those players you mentioned, Josh Bergman, has actually made his way across to Asquith into the North Sydney system, which we'll discuss. Oh, well, that's the recent one. When we speak uh, Asquith in a little while, we'll certainly be coming across him. Look, it might not make that much difference. It might be slightly different jumpers. It might be a slightly different emblem. But I tend to agree with you, Keith, to a point. They will just have, again, so much depth all the way down the line that they are certain finalists, certain top eight contenders again in the Sydney Shield. And if someone like a, a junior Rika, the man with the uh, tree trunks for legs, makes an appearance again, he could do his usual five or ten minutes of damage a game, which is enough to win most games on its own, let alone have anyone else around him. It's just when we get to finals football that I ask the question as to what may happen with a Wentworthville Sydney Shield side, uh, especially if they can't make the top four. Anyway, let's uh, move on to two teams who, well, we don't know what to expect uh, from these two sides. They will play each other on Sunday the 15th of March in their opening contest at Labour Sports Field. Uh, they are both coming back from various absences in the wilderness from the Sydney Shield competition. One under a misapprehension, the other after a change at board level. Let's have a look at the home side for this match on Sunday the 15th of March. They didn't play in the Sydney Shield in 2019 under the misapprehension that the Sydney Shield was going to be uh, folded up and packed away forever. They went back into the Penrith A-grade competition. They didn't do all that well there. I speak of the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles. They returned to the Sydney Shield. I do tend to think they will struggle. They struggled the last time they were in the Sydney Shield in 2018. And after a year out, we all know that if you spend time away from these competitions, it's very hard to pick up coming back. You do. And this is where Blacktown... They look to have a very strong Massey squad. They look to have a very strong Canterbury Cup squad. And then I'll look at some of the players that are going to be turning out for them in the Sydney Shield. I'm looking at a team list and, oh boy, it, it is slim picking based on experience in senior football. Kenny Sample-Pakti uh, has been picked up from Moorbank. Uh, you've got Luke Buckfield. You've got Cameron Mazzelli who has spent a bit of time around that age, that uh, grade, the Massey and the Shield, 
And after that, well, it, it really looks as though they kicked the eyes out of the old Penrith brothers in order to try and put a team together. Oh, Blacktown, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a rough year for them in Sydney Shield. They've got depth up the chart, and if Manly and Blacktown in Canterbury Cup and Massey can stay fit, then they might be a shout. But, yeah, if injuries bite, then it will bite hardest at Sydney Shield level because they are really going to struggle with some of the younger guys coming through the system and, yeah, don't hold out much hope of Blacktown making an appearance in the top eight. Their opponents then. Let's go to them. And it's great to see this traditional name return back to New South Wales Rugby League second and third tier football. They've been away for three years. There was changes at board level, a change of philosophy, uh, a change of financial uh, management and control which saw the Windsor Wolves remove themselves and walk away from the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield. We all know their pedigree. We all know their background in the 2010s and particularly in the 2000s. They were missed. Let's make no mistake about that. So it's great to see them come back. Sure, they won their Penrith A-grade competition, but it needed to a change of management, a change of CEO and a couple of changes of board individuals with a rather broader thinking to bring them back into the fold, but having been out of these competitions for three years, they're virtually starting again, aren't they? And we all know how hard it is to step up from A grade to this level. They've done very well in terms of their Massey recruitment, though, Windsor. So I'd be very intrigued to see exactly what they hope to achieve with their Sydney Shield outfit, whether it's going to be a young team trying to get some experience going into the future, whether they're in it to win it or not. Because what they've done with Massey is very impressive. So... As always, teams will use their Sydney Shield roster in different ways, whether that's to give young guys experience or try and win it. It really does come down to what they're hoping to achieve. If they're going to try and use some of the younger players, then certainly that comes an option, although I don't hold out much hope for them, assuming that Penrith will continue to feed their excess leg back to St Mary's. But I do know that St Mary's, some players and some staff there were getting frustrated because they had to field the Penrith leg players ahead of players that they thought were a little more deserving. So whether the Penrith Panthers are going to spread those excess leg players across teams within their district, which would be St Mary's and Windsor, or whether it's going to be focused just on St Mary's, that can have a bit of an impact on exactly what the Windsor Wolves are going to do. Being an unknown quantity, I'm not going to back them to make a whole lot of noise this season, but if they do get some players back, then, well, just keep a bit of an eye on them. They could cause a few problems. They certainly could. Maybe fringe top eight contenders, given the, the almost Melbourne Cup-sized field, the 14 teams in the competition. Uh, who knows where they could be. If there is a smoky, if there's a bolter, a silly bolter's chance to make the eight, it could be Windsor. But it will depend on how their depth goes. But I think it's great to see them back. Uh, they were sorely missed from these competitions. All right, let's have a look at two sides that will be there, I think, when the whips are cracking, even though the head coach of one of those sides is big on talking their chances down. First of all, let's have a look at perennial uh, finalists, St Mary's, who are past Sydney Shield winners, of course. When they came back into the, or they came into the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup, they made noises about winning both competitions for constant years on end. Bottom line is their only title was their Sydney Shield Premiership of 2017. 
That's the only thing that they have won. So uh, they've been finalists ever since in every year. They've made another grand couple of grand finals. And last year, of course, they were uh, bounced out at preliminary final stage. So you would expect the Saints to be there again when the whips are cracking come September. I have no doubt that they will. And again, this is going to be very much dependent upon exactly what they can get in terms of the Penrith runoff. If Penrith can stay fit, then they're going to be a real shot. But we've seen before the Penrith, just the Penrith club in particular, well, I should say generally rather than in particular, my apologies there, but the Penrith club in particular always seems to be susceptible to injuries, and that really has an impact on St Mary's going all the way down. If they're going to try and cash in on Penrith's excess leg, then it's going to be a, a reasonably long year for them. But as you say, their title did come in the Sydney Shield. So what do you make of that? Are they going to step up? Are they not? St Mary's is one that I'm tending to think that a, a bottom half of the eighth finish is most likely for them. They're going to get some good players back during the year and they do have an impressive roster, assuming everybody stays fit, which is a very big ask, particularly with work commitments and the rest of it at this age group, or at this level, I should say. I'm thinking bottom half of the eighth, but it wouldn't surprise me if they missed the eight completely. It wouldn't surprise me if they finished top four either. Indeed. It, I wouldn't go as far as saying rocks and diamonds. That's been a bit too harsh. But the depth issue and the feed-up, feed-down factor is probably going to be more marketed at St Mary's than most other clubs in this Sydney Shield competition. Their opponents in a match that we will be calling here on Triple H on Sunday the 15th of March to kick off our Winter Sports 2020 season is at St Mary's League Stadium and it's our own Asquith Magpies, our own local club. Now look, we had Pat Wisner on the bench a couple of weeks ago trying to talk down things as far as Sydney Shield is concerned, coming out and stating we're concentrating on the Massey Cup this year. We've got rid of some of the Deadwood or the older players from the the Sydney Shield because it's impossible to try and have a crack at both, particularly given that, as was the case in this year's trials, the North Sydney Bears are leaning very heavily once again on Asquith to provide a lot of players. 10 or 11 of those first-choice Massey Cup regulars, for instance, went around for Norths in Canterbury Cup trials. So quite clearly, Jason Taylor is going to be relying on Asquith from up the line, and that could make it hard for uh, Asquith down the line in Sydney Shield. They're going to be relying on the kids, the 19s, the under-19s players that won them their uh, combined inner-city competition in 2019, but that's going to be asking a massive, massive ask for 19- and 20-year-old kids to step up and play against men. It will be a big ask, but given that the sort of depth that is up the chain particularly with the Sydney Roosters, they're going to be feeding a lot of players back to North Sydney. And you're right, North Sydney is a club that plays it the right way. They're not afraid to send, I wouldn't say their dud players back, but their non-performing players back to Asquith and then take players from Asquith who have earned the right. It's not a case of, well, our contract guys get the first spots and then whoever's playing best for you can fill the gaps. If the Asquith players are playing to a standard suitable, then they will get a chance. That is great motivation if you're going up the chain, but it's not much motivation if you're going down the chain from North Sydney. So Pat Wisner could find himself in a difficult spot 
in terms of the Massey, and then see that flow onto the Shield, what happens if the North Sydney Canterbury Cup player gets dropped all the way back to Sydney Shield? That's going to be an interesting question. And then how does that impact on the attitude of the 19- and 20-year-olds? Of course, 19, they're still teenagers, and as we know, teenagers aren't exactly renowned for their work ethic or their general attitude towards things uh, through life in general. So you're looking at a situation where if Jason Taylor decides to wield the axe and Pat Wiseman decides that he's not just going to provide them a soft landing spot, it could be a really negative impact on those young guys coming through the Asquith system in their 19- and 20-year-olds. You've also got to then look at what are they getting back from other sources. You've got a couple of guys that came through the Western Suburbs Junior Rep System that got signed up last year to go and play for North Sydney Sleds in Marcus Moore and LaKendrick Massoy. I don't know whether Marcus Moore will bring much, but LaKendrick Massoy has the opportunity to be a real wrecking ball. He's a really tough, nuggety prospect. He just needs to keep his wits about him, and he can be a really useful player. Whether he's going to get a run in Massey or not this year, remains to be seen, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him play a bit of Sydney Shell, and he could be a real wrecking ball, almost in the mould of Tuigamala. Well, the, uh, uh, yes, the tank, Francis Tuigamala, yes, we, how can we forget him? A lot's going to depend on who comes back from Norths. The mail is there could be as many as 8, 10 or 12. If that's the case, well then, there's going to be a very strong Sydney Shield side based on what Asquith have put out, not only in the trials, but in the uh, Massey side's run to the Challenge Cup semi-finals uh, when they were beaten by Wentworthville in that uh, semi-final. Players like Ali Charan and uh, uh, Daniel Vasek and certainly uh, Joey Mao may very well again play a lot of Sydney Shield depending on what uh, goes in and goes out. Pat Wisner, though, of course, he is notorious uh, for trying to talk things down and trying to keep a, a level head on on proceedings. You can bet you like there's a little bit of reverse psychology going on there at Story Park with those youngsters stepping up into Sydney Shield saying, you know what, we're going to write the year off, we're going to concentrate on Massey, we're not going to concentrate too much, we don't worry too much if Sydney Shield don't make it. If they're close enough at the halfway mark of the season and if they start well enough, you can bet your life that Asquith will be more than happy to qualify for semi-finals in both. Remembering, of course that the Sydney Shield has been the flagship side for Asquith these last couple of years, bowing out in the second week of the playoffs in both of the last two seasons. That's exactly that's exactly right. And I think that Asquith have a real opportunity here to show the sort of depth that they've got within the club, not just getting guys back from North Sydney, but to really step up in terms of what they've been able to reduce with their own system. Whether they can do that or not remains to be seen. I don't know whether they're going to have it in them to go all the way and win the comp this year because they're going to be focusing on a few more kids coming through the ranks. But certainly they're going to be there, thereabouts, and they're going to give it a real shake. Again, I don't think they're going to go all the way, but they're not going to be a team that you can take lying down, and they're going to make life difficult for a lot of teams. I can see them possibly making bottom half of the eight. Who knows? If they get players back up the line, they could go on a run in the finals. I think St Mary's will go close to, if not winning it, certainly finishing inside the top four. OK, let's have a look then at the final two teams uh, of the 14 that will face the starter for the first time on uh, March the 14th and 15th, that particular weekend. And they will be playing each other at Hickey's Lane in the last match 
of the opening round, Sunday the 15th of March at 3pm. The home side, who has decided to uh, retract and contract back into uh, Sydney Shield only after a couple of valiant attempts, one that worked out not so well and the other one not much better, (laughs) in Penrith Brothers. They uh, were poor in year one after making the quantum leap from the Penrith A-grade competition in playing in both competitions. It led to them forfeiting in the last five weeks of the Sydney Shield season. At least it got better for them last year. They put teams on the paddock all the way right up to the last round. But again, they finished closer to the bottom of the table than they did the top. They've made the decision to cut the Ron Massey Cup team in the off-season and concentrate on Shield only. It, re- it really is a crapshoot in terms of what is going to happen with Penrith Brothers because you would think that, OK, they've decided to streamline, they've decided to walk away from Massey, they're going to put their energy into Sydney Shield, but we have saw with Windsor they seem to have picked the eyes out of the Penrith Brothers and Brothers, they don't have Brendan Waters anymore. He's gone, gone off and signed with Windsor. They lost a few other players as well. Taku Simon's gone to Windsor as well. They're really going to be up against it. I don't know exactly what the story is going to be there for the Penrith brothers. Do they have a quality roster? Do they not? Have they kept players? Have they got turnover again? Because if if it's just a case of more and more turnover, then they're just going to be starting again and trying to build from scratch once more. And that's going to create more problems for them and they're not going to be able to do what they want to do. And then they're going to get left behind again. So whether they've got it in them in terms of the recruitment, to go anywhere in this competition remains to be seen. You would hope that they have learnt their lesson from recruitment. And they certainly tried recruiting heavily last season, but it just it didn't work. It just didn't come off for them. So what exactly does work for them remains to be seen. And I think that, yeah, they're, they're going to be really up against it to put something out there in terms of a quality lineup. I don't see them making the eight, and I, I don't know whether they'll be fodder, but I certainly don't see them making the eight. I think I concur. I can't see them making the eight myself. Whether they finish last and battle for the Spooners they uh, have done in the first couple of years remains to be seen. Let's have a look then, finally, at their opponents in that last game on opening weekend. Now, this is a side that have been powerhouses in the Sydney Shield for various reasons for most of the last six years. They've won three titles, 2014, 2016, 2018. They've uh, been there and thereabouts, perennial finalists. I speak of the East Campbelltown Eagles, a club that has done things very much their own way, but they have the record to prove it. The only club to have won a Canterbury A grade, a Western Suburbs A grade, uh, a Group 6 and three Sydney Shields in the last 15 years. But in saying that, They've very much got a dad's army look about them this year. The same players that have very much carried them to those three titles, the Shannon Gallants, the, the Palumbos, the De Silvers, the Lay brothers. They've got Ben Baker back, apparently, this year, until he probably goes walk about again. But there's not too many new young players coming into this side. And with that dad's army look, they'll make finals, but... Age caught up with them during the playoffs in 2019, and that's going to be their concern. Well, I got a tip during the week that Ronnie Palumbo signed with Blacktown uh, Canterbury Cup. So he's going to be leaving as well. They're not going to have access to Gus Garz and Eti 
who was coming through the Western Suburbs and West Tigers system. He's on the Blacktown Canterbury Cup as well. You're right, Ben Baker is back. Dean Robson's a useful pickup. He played for Western Suburbs last season in the Ron Massey uh, setup that Western Suburbs had at the time. He's a very good acquisition. Adam Sultan is back. Uh, Jair Vadavai is back. Samuel Ioani is back from Western Suburbs as well. But the losses, the losses are nasty. Ronnie Palumbo is gone. Tom Morrison is gone. John DeSilva is gone. Guy Thompson is gone. Alex Potifara has left. He's gone to Mounties as well. Sean Connor is no longer at the club either. He's decided to go back and play for Campbelltown City in the Group 6 competition. That is a lot of talent that they have lost. The, the core is still there. They, they've got a good pack. They've got a good three-quarter line with Shannon Gallant at fullback. What do they do in the rest of the spine, though? Six, seven, and nine is where they seem to be seem to be lacking a bit. They'll be relying a lot on the Lay brothers again, won't they? Yep, they will rely heavily on the Lay brothers, and this is this is where I think East Campbelltown has a real problem. Not necessarily that they're getting too old, because they proved last year that they can still go with it, even in terms of the age. Where they struggle is in that six, seven, and nine, because they don't have a lot there. They've got Galant at fullback. Yes, absolutely, he's a very good player for them. But where are your playmakers? What are you doing with your playmakers? I'm going to be very interested to see who steps up and takes those 6, 7 and 9 jerseys for East Campbelltown or in East Campbelltown, I should say, the 6, 77 and 9. I understand 77 will be used again this season. Absolutely, uh, because uh, out of respect to the late, out of respect to the late Wade Dunley, of course, the number 7 jumper has been retired. Yes, but, yeah, who's going to fill those spots? I, you're, you're right, I don't see them winning it. I see them making the finals because this is East Campbelltown. They're, they're making the finals. But I don't see them winning it, and I can see them getting uh, getting bailed or bailing out probably in the first or second week. I don't see them making it to the final four. Well, they bailed out in week two of the finals in 2019, and maybe that's where they end up. All right, very briefly... Time to stick the neck out. It's always fraught uh, trying to tip finalists and premiers. Not seven and a half months out from the big dance on the last weekend in September. But I'll stick the neck out. I think St Mary's will finish top four. They may make the big one. Look, Wentworthville United, if all their players get uh, uh, concertinaed down up the line from Ron Massey Cup via... Uh, Parramatta, I think they'll be there when the whips are cracking as well. And possibly the bottom edge of the top four will be filled out by the likes of Moorbank, Ride, Eastwood, and possibly Belrose if they stay injury-free. What about you? Uh, in I, I think you can narrow it down to the teams that probably won't make the finals. Uh, I don't see Sydney University making it. I don't see Hill District making it. I don't see Blacktown or Penrith Brothers making it. So I think those are four... You can put the ruler through for mine at the moment. So that leaves 10 into 8. And obviously, 10 still doesn't go. I'm prepared to say that top four, I think you're looking at Asquith, Cabramatta, Wentworthville. Uh, actually, I think that you find that there are two games this weekend featuring all your top four. I mean, Cabramatta, Wentworthville, Asquith and St Mary's are going to be your four. And then you're going to have the rest of it fighting out over that last few spots. Uh, who's going to miss out amongst the two? Uh, I'll stick my neck out early and say I think Moorbank and Belrose might miss. 
I think more Bank and Belrose might just make it and those other two sides might just miss out. It'll be an intriguing Sydney Shield. It'll be great to cover it in 2020 here on Triple H and it will start on Sunday the 15th of March when we call St Mary's and Asquith at St Mary's League Stadium. Thank you so much, Keith Topolsky, once again. We look forward to catching up with you during 2020 in many and varied forms. Pleasure as always. Coming up on Splinters next week, we will look at the Ron Massey Cup where we will go into more depth and more detail into the ins and outs that we touched on during this episode of Splinters. My name is Tony Dawson, the Sultan. Great to have your company. We look forward to catching up with you again. Until then, from this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye. Goodbye.